welcome to the Inner Bitch, Inner Truth podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Jacari, naturopathic doctor turned speaker, writer, and intuitive empowerment coach. Each week, I bring you inspiring stories, people, and messages to help you lean into loving your emotions, transforming your relationship with yourself and others, and giving you the clarity you need to create a life you love. Hello and welcome. Today, I have a really special guest, a conversation that I'm super excited about. I have with me Dr. Jennifer Buchner. She's a naturopathic doctor focusing on women's health. She is passionate about helping women heal naturally so that they can love their bodies and their life again. So she helps patients heal by addressing their underlying imbalances in all areas that I love, mind, body, and spirit. She does this while striving to educate and empower women to become their own health advocate. It is Dr. Jenny's mission to help women create a positive relationship with their bodies so that they can have easier periods, better sex, and an amazing life. And we're going to get to talking about all of this because isn't she amazing? I am just so happy that you're here. Thanks for joining me and taking the time, Dr. Jenny. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I love talking about this stuff, so I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Okay, so let's just dive right on in. So your big thing is body positivity and helping women form this relationship, a beautiful relationship with their bodies. And I know like most of us, when we're doing something that we're passionate about, we typically have some sort of experience ourselves. So if you wouldn't mind sharing your story and how you got into this role. Yeah, absolutely. You are correct. This came out of a personal experience. Um, I was never expecting my practice to lead me this way, but it did. Um, you know, I'm 27, and I would say for about three quarters of my life, I'd had a very negative relationship with my own body. Um, I just really struggled a lot with um, weight and just not liking the way my body looked, but also some underlying health problems that were never really addressed and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And it wasn't really until probably my third year of naturopathic medical school that I really started to realize, you know, the impact that my relationship to myself that was very uh, self-deprecating or very negative was impacting my physical health. And, um, you know, I was always one of the less woo-woo and students at our school, so I didn't typically follow a lot of the mind-body medicine at that time and um, really kind of traced back a lot of my own health problems and realized that they kind of came about when I was having a really hard time in my life with my relationship to myself, um, as well as a relationship that I was kind of stuck in at that time that really was a catalyst for a lot of those health problems at that time, which have since resolved um, due to the amazing power of, you know, naturopathic medicine and then really healing that relationship with myself. So that was a big component. And that's something I see as a common thread for a lot of the women that I work with. Um, and I, I just don't think that that's a coincidence at this point. I think there's too many people that have that negative self-relationship that end up having autoimmune disease or just a lot of random health problems. So that's my story. Okay. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, it's like at this point, you know, I've seen so many different people and, and it's like, how, how are they not connected? You know? And I, and I just don't understand how people don't still don't buy into 
you know, your emotions in your mind playing a role in your physical health. And it's like, but like it, it, it actually really does like your stress, your cortisol hormones and like throwing all your hormones off. Like it absolutely does. Like, what do you, what do you mean? Um, so I'd love yeah, if you can, absolutely. yeah. Um, so what, what kind of journey do you take women on? What does that look like? So typically, um, you know, we have our first patient visit, which for me is two hours long, where we just really get to connect on, um, you know, not only past medical history and all the important stuff about what their concerns are, but we can also talk about, you know, all the foundations of health that we learn in naturopathic medical school. So pretty much everything you eat, sleep, think, breathe, drink, and do. Um, but then we often dive into the mental, emotional component of things, which I don't do for everybody. I really kind of feel it out, see where they're at. But often during that first visit, things start to come up that these women are like, wow, I've never told anybody that before. Or, you know, why are you getting me to tell you all these things? Like they're really like flustered. And like, it's, it's really important. That's a very important determinant of your health is that, you know, not only the relationship you have with your own body, your own self, but also, you know, the history of what your body has gone through, whether it's mental, emotional trauma, physical trauma, or no trauma at all. You know, that's just something that we have to dive into during that first visit. And from there, um, you know, I'll kind of determine on what level we need to start working at. I often do lab testing and more functional stuff like that, but we also uh, send them home with some practical exercises on how to eat right and fix the underlying imbalances, but also you know, lots of homework on the mental, emotional self-love piece, because that's you know, obviously one of my passions. And uh, it's not easy because I can't do that for them. So I really have to convince them that that's a really important part of their healing journey. No amount of supplements or dietary changes or lab tests can outdo the damage that a negative self-relationship causes to your own body. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, I'm just like, yes, 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 yes to all of that. Um, so I'm curious, like what, um, with the, with these women, like what's the most common struggle that you find and, and how do you fix it? So I, I joke around cause I'm like, if I had a dollar for every time I had a woman say like, I just don't feel like myself or I just feel off. Like I would not need to be a doctor <laughs> because <laughs> the amount of women that are feeling that way, just going through their day-to-day -day lives is insane. So that's not necessarily like a medical problem, but that's mm -hmm. something that I hear very often. Um, I also deal with a lot of women who are unhappy with their weight. So that's something we have to peel apart, you know, the many, many layers of why people would want to lose weight or if I'm actually going to help them do that, or if it's not a good choice for them at that point. Um, so typically I would say, you know, they're either not feeling like themselves or feeling anxious or feeling off, or they're struggling with weight or their periods suck. Like those are the three big ones that I really enjoy working with, the ones that I find myself working with the most. Um, and again, it really depends on how we work on those things based on that concern, obviously. But um, say for example, it's a woman who's really unhappy with her weight and, you know, wants to lose weight. Typically we'll spend a lot of time kind of unpacking that. Like, why do you feel like you need to lose weight? What would that do for you? 
Um, is this something that you want or is it something that somebody told you you have to do? You know, what have you tried? What have you not tried? And traditionally, you know, as long as they're kind of meeting the qualifications, like they're in a good place mentally to be able to lose weight and it's for a good reason, um, then we'll kind of follow some dietary guidelines that I do not like putting restrictions on anybody. And this is all for another conversation, but um, we'll kind of go through a lot of the basics. But then, like I said, like we might do lab testing or we might just send them home with a treatment plan that includes anything from diet recommendations to supplements to mental health work. Like it really, really depends on the person. But, okay. you know, I make myself available for them to be an accountability partner, which I think is something that they're missing from, you know, some other providers, which can help them stay more accountable on the changes that they make and, you know, bring them closer to actually healing. Yes, absolutely. I love, I didn't know that. I love that you do the accountability work with them because yeah. that's, that's what I found myself too. It's like, I would have these, you know, one-off sessions with people where it's like, I just saw them, you know, that initial time gave them, you know, the work that they needed to do check back in, in three weeks. And it's like, they, they're like, Oh, I didn't do it. And it's like, Oh, that's why I kind of switched to my coaching model because I found that that accountability is huge. It's so huge. Yeah. Well, that can be kind of a frustrating part as a practitioner because you're like, I gave them everything they needed. Why aren't they better? But you know, you're not in their kitchen with them. You're not going to the gym with them. Like you can't physically make somebody do something that they don't want to. So I find that like bugging my patients, quite honestly, <laughs> like <laughs> messaging them through our portal or whatever, or I have them send me, you know, their, uh, how often they journaled or how often they went to the gym or whatever it is. And I'm like, great job, keep going. Or maybe try one more time next week or something like that. Um, because, you know, the way naturopathic medicine is set up, we have this big, long first initial appointment. People are excited. They're like ready to make the change. But then they get home and they're like, oh shit, like what do I have to do? <laughs> so and then if you don't follow up for another month, they come in a month later and they're like, yeah, like you said, like I did, you know, maybe something, but I didn't do all of it. And then they're not feeling better. Yeah. So somewhere in between there, there has to be some accountability either from a provider or from, you know, enlisting help from their friends or family. That's something I'll do often. Um, but, you know, that's really where we make the most changes is on the foundations and making sure we're consistent, which isn't pretty or sexy or you know, exciting, but that's where the healing happens. Yes, absolutely. So I'm curious how, like the timing wise, um, you know, obviously every single person is an individual. Every single person has like a different response to the treatment, but on average, how long would you say it takes women to kind of turn around and to start feeling better? I mean, you know, that does depend on what their concerns are and how invested they are, how ready they are to really make some of the changes. But I typically work with younger female patients, like, you know, 20, 30, who are really excited. They go home and do everything I tell them and they come back in a month and they're like, I feel so much better. I'm like, okay, cool. Amazing. So, yeah. But I'm like, it's because you did all the work. Like, you know, I'm just here as a, a catalyst or a guide for that. Um, so I would say in that case, if it's a patient that's really like on board with making the changes and being consistent, then 
two or three months, like they're good and we just see each other as needed from there if they have another concern come up or if they find themselves backsliding for any reason. Um, but for the ones that are a little harder to convince, no offense, typically the older women <laughs> who don't want to listen to me as much, uh, those, those can take, you know, three to six months-ish of consistently working together because we're making smaller steps, which is still great. They're still healing, but it just takes a little bit longer. Yeah. Okay. But Thank you. My goal is for them to not need me or not, not have to much as I love them. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Because um, I just think, like, I know for me, when I was going through all of my issues, I thought it was going to have to take, you know, so like six months to a year for me to feel better. But it's like when you really just hit the ground running and just do the work, like actually follow through, change in your health can happen so fast, like so quickly. And it's just amazing. Like the human body is incredible to me. If you give oh, it what absolutely. it needs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it really depends on your starting point, your raw materials, essentially, and then how much consistency and how much work you're willing to put in. I think the longest part of that process is really, you know, figuring out if you're ready. Because if you go to a practitioner too soon, which happens, you know, quite often people will come see me and they seem excited, but I can just tell like they're not ready then I won't hear from them for three months. And they're like, yeah, sorry. And I'm like, it's okay. You weren't ready. And then we'll just get to work when you are. Right. Um, that is the longest part of the process I've found. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So I'm a little nervous to ask you about this next topic because I've never publicly talked about it besides for with like close girlfriends. So let's talk about sex because you are – like, oh, just such a bright, shining light when you're like, yes, let's talk about sex. Sex is part of health and it's so important. And I love that so much about you. And I think a lot of these women listening could benefit from your knowledge. So I know that you kind of have a story behind, you know, what got you to be so passionate about sex being such an important determinant of health. And so do you just mind kind of starting there and sharing with us what that is? Yeah. Hell yeah. Let's talk about <laughs> sex. Nobody talks about it. And it's so fun. Uh, I find myself talking about things that people get embarrassed to talk about because that's where we have really fun conversations that remind us all that, you know, we're all human. We all poop. We all have sex. Like, it's just good stuff to talk about. So um, my, my story around that, I don't know if there's a formal story, but up until, um, you know, probably two or three years ago, I had a very uncomfortable relationship with sex, um, kind of starting out at a very young age. I was raised Catholic, so there was um, just an overtone of sexual repression, as I'm sure uh, anyone who grew up in the Christian faith can understand. Um, because sex is deemed bad and, you know, you're supposed to save it till marriage, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that was never, you know, something that was strictly enforced in my household, but it was some pressure that I put on to myself. And anytime I experienced any thoughts about sex when I was younger, I would be like, no, that's bad. Like, don't think about that. Um, and that just kind of shaped sex in a really negative way. And then, you know, moving through high school and college, I had some pretty traumatic experiences 
around sex, um, non-consensual sex, and some really painful memories uh, surrounding that. So that again, reinforced all these negative things that I thought about sex. So, you know, going into my twenties, I was like, I'm never having sex. That's terrible. Like it um, causes all these problems. And, um, you know, I know I'm not alone in having these experiences, especially throughout college. It's a really unfortunate situation that a lot of women get themselves into, uh, being in relationships where they feel pressured to have sex or, uh, you know, going to a party and getting too drunk and having sex with someone you don't want to. So that was kind of my viewpoint on sex was that it was bad for a really long time. And, um, you know, throughout my serious relationships that always came up and I always thought like, oh, I just don't have a high sex drive. Like, I just don't want to have sex. Like there's something wrong with me. When in reality, why would I want to have sex if it was bringing up all these really painful memories? And when we're kind of, when we're in the act of sex, you know, there is a, a certain point where you have to lose a little bit of control to be able to enjoy sex. And it kind of borders on um, pleasure versus pain is a very close relationship in sex, especially. And if you are somebody that's had a traumatic experience around sex, that line gets blurred really often. So sex is often associated with pain, either mentally or physically. So that was kind of the space that I was in. Um, just really thinking that like, I didn't have any sex drive, there was something wrong with me and that sex was bad. Um, I was probably 23 or 24 when I finally admitted to the fact that I had had some traumatic experiences about sex. Until then, I had never brought them up. They were buried very, very deep in my brain. Um, and I brought that up to a very close friend and we kind of started to dive into stuff. And that was really where that relationship to not only my body being safe and uh, in control to actually you know considering like hmm, maybe sex isn't so bad like maybe it is a really great part of your health and a healthy part of a relationship so through some great conversations with friends through some counseling work and then through um, just working through a lot of stuff with my current partner still we've been together for four years and god bless him because he's really been on the full journey from me uh, being not willing to even think or talk about sex to being pretty, you know, not repressed anymore and fully expressed in my sexuality in a lot of ways, which has been really, really fun to kind of go through that with him. And that's something that guys don't often talk about a lot too, but there's a lot of guys out there with issues with sex too. Um, don't let them fool you. <laughs> so we kind of got to dive through that together. So that was um, a long-winded version of my story, but that's what got me here. And I'm really passionate about helping people kind of dig through that stuff on their own and helping them have a, health, a healthier sex life. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I know it's really vulnerable stuff to, to share. So thank you. Um, and I'm sorry that, you know, that shit's happened. And, you know, the, I have a similar story where I was later, I was in my, my late, later twenties. And I realized that I had had multiple different instances of um, non-consensual sexual stuff 
occur. And it was actually through one of the Title IX trainings that we did. It's like the sexual harassment training for school that we, like it was, we, we had to do it twice. So like I had already done it and then I was doing it again. And the second time doing it through the, um, the acupuncture program, I had to do it. And I was, it just kind of, I was, I had been waking up to it. And then it all just kind of hit me where I was like, holy shit, like I, there's so many instances where in the moment I didn't, I didn't understand what I was doing, but reflecting back, I do. And it's that I just wasn't respecting my body. I wasn't respecting myself and I wanted guys to like me. I wanted to be like the cool, chill girl and just go with the flow of whatever, even though there's this voice inside that's like, no, like stop. And I mean, we don't need to get into this, this story much, but it's, I think that a lot of women go through things like this, but, but we don't really talk about it. And also just the, the awareness of, of being in those positions. It's like, just like you, it's like, I was waking up to it later in life at like years after it had happened just through my own inner child, you know, my inner work is what kind of opened me up to it. And so you had the same experience. So I can only imagine that, you know, how many women are walking around, like not realizing that they, that they've had experiences like this and that they haven't processed it. Yeah. I mean, if you and I are sitting here having this conversation, imagine how many more women out there are like, holy shit, maybe that's happened to me. Yeah. And just like your experience, I didn't realize these things until, you know, almost a decade later for the first event that had happened. And they continued to happen throughout that time because I wasn't putting two and two together. I didn't have my boundaries set up. Again, I was, you know, trying to do what other people thought that, you know, like was the right decision or thought that, you know, people would expect from me in a relationship, you're expected to have sex. So I was like, okay, I guess I will not um, not a willing participant in some conditions there. And that's really fucked up that that kind of stuff is sitting in the back of people's brains for years and years and years. And you don't even admit it to yourself. Like I hadn't even admitted those things to myself until I was, like I said, talking with that friend in medical school. And then I started just like you kind of looking back through the, the memory bank. And I was like, holy cow, why was I letting myself go through that? And I don't think that, you know, that's any fault of either of us or anybody listening that has a similar story. That's not a fault of them. It's a lot of things. It's the combination of our culture, um, kind of being a little laissez-faire about that kind of stuff and not really teaching women or men to put up clear boundaries around what's okay and what's not okay. Um, you know, only I think 19 states require medically accurate sex ed, and they're not teaching people about um, consent and other things as well, as far as I'm aware, maybe they started implementing that, but it's just this huge culture that's surrounding, um, sexuality in this country that just sets us up to fail essentially. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree. It's, it's almost like my parents just like, didn't want to even talk about it with me. Like it, it just like, wasn't a thing. And yeah. I think that that's common. It's just so common. You're, yeah, you're spot on, spot on. Okay. So, um, so from here, I guess if, if, if listeners are, are hearing this and they're like, huh, like, you know, maybe this is me. 
what would you say to them? Like, where should they get started in this work? That's a really good question. (laughs) I think a really great place to start is just admitting that something shitty has happened to you. If that's something you haven't admitted to yourself yet, maybe admitting it to a, a close confidant, maybe writing it in a journal, maybe recording it on a voice memo on your phone and listening to it because that shit needs to sink in because we can't start to create boundaries or a healthy sex life if we don't know what's happened to us in our past and how it's either been right or wrong. So if you're starting from the point that you've had, you know, some sort of traumatic event admitting that has happened to yourself is I would say the first big step. And then really finding someone that you trust that you can talk those things through with them, if that's helpful for you Um, and really surrounding yourself with people who have a positive relationship to their bodies and have a positive relationship to sex, who are willing to talk about it, which being myself and being comfortable talking about sex now, I'm often the only one in the room that wants to talk about that kind of stuff. So I understand um, it's hard to find people, but once you do, it's, it can lend itself to such really productive conversations because we're all humans. It's an innate ability of a human to want to have sex and to you know, use it as more than just reproduction. So once we can get over that and we can start having conversations and we can admit what's happened to us in the past and how that's shaped our relationship with sex. Um, and that's a really huge first step because you might just be thinking, and I see honestly, a lot of women who come in, they're like, Oh, my libido is so low. Like I just never want to have sex. Like, blah, blah, blah. and I'm like, but why? Sometimes it's an easy answer. Like they're on the birth control pill and that snatches up all your hormones and your sex drive is lower. But oftentimes there's something else, you know, there could be something else that needs to be dug into a little bit, especially if there's any source to break on. So I would start there kind of looking through the skeletons in your closet, either by yourself or with somebody you trust, and then kind of seeing how that shaped your relationship to sex. Yeah, that's a really great advice. Thank you. Good at reading your signals, whether it's verbal or nonverbal. So if you aren't comfortable in your own body, um, if you are feeling shameful or any sort of negative emotion, that's going to transfer and you're not going to be having great sex because if you don't want to have sex with you, then nobody else is going to want to have sex with you, to be quite frank. I know that sounds really mean, but if you can't love you in whatever body that you're in at that point in time, then that is absolutely going to hinder your ability to connect with a partner physically because we just bring all of those, all of that baggage into the bedroom and that's not sexy. So accepting the body that you're in and really just getting familiar with it again, learning what you like and really praising the parts of your body that you love and accepting the other parts of it, whether you love them or not, you know, that's going to be huge in kind of fixing your relationship, not only to your body, but also to sex. So those two things absolutely go together. And the better your relationship is to your body and to yourself, the better your sex life is going to be with your partner or with yourself. Yeah, that's such a great point. So I have a question for you about orgasms. And I know, I know people who have never had an orgasm in their, like, in their 30s, 40s. And um, also, it's just like very hard for some people to have an orgasm. 
And so I'm just wondering, like, what are your thoughts on the reasoning behind that? Yeah, that is a huge, huge topic because there, there are unfortunately a lot of people out there who, um, you know, either feel like they can't orgasm or it happens very infrequently. And first off, I will start by saying there's probably nothing wrong with you. There is a very, very, very small percentage of women who cannot orgasm for physical or medical reasons, men as well. I would say the large majority of people who experience trouble around that is uh, from something else, not an overt physical problem. So first of all, establishing you know, your relationship to your own body and to sex is going to be huge. Because like I hinted at earlier, when we're going through sex, there's kind of this fine line between pleasure and pain, and you have to be able to let go. The act of orgasming cannot happen if you were thinking or if you're too in your head about things, because we have to shift between our sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems. So our fight or flight mode versus rest and digest. We have to be able to shift in between those two to be able to achieve the act of orgasm. So I find a lot of people have issues with orgasming when they're um, very anxious or have um, you know, a lot of concerns around mental health that haven't been addressed, like that gets in the way often. Um, there's also a thing called orgasm inequality, which needs to be, <laughs> needs to be brought to the surface because of bullshit. Um, but it's this, this um, fact of the matter that in, in most heterosexual relationships or in a lot of heterosexual relationships, there is a gap in how often a male orgasms versus how often a female orgasms. Granted, the female orgasm is set up very differently than males. Females can have multiple orgasms in one sexual encounter, and that's pretty awesome. That should be something that is celebrated, but often um, we either don't do enough work to get there and we just kind of give up, or we have this preconceived notion that you have to finish at the same time. So that can lead to women not having an orgasm because their partner um, is done and they're like, Okay, well, I guess that's it. But to be quite honest, there's a very small fraction of people who actually finish at the same time. Um, so learning to talk to your partner about your needs, exploring your own needs first, because if you can't figure them out, you can't expect a partner to. There's nothing wrong with trying to you know, figure out what your body responds to and what it likes, and then translating that to your partner. Because you can't expect them to read your mind, especially while they're in the zone and having sex with you. Uh, and it should also be said that there is a very, very small percentage of women who can orgasm from just penetration. Like, those are just the facts. We have a clitoris for a reason. There's over 8,000 nerve endings in the clitoris with no function other than pleasure. So that thing needs to be used. <laughs> and if it's not, it's probably one of your, your hurdles in being able to orgasm. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with you if you can't orgasm from penetration. Like that's just unfortunately, but fortunately how women's anatomy is set up. So if you're not addressing both components of that during sex, then that can be a huge obstacle to being able to orgasm. Again, the mental uh, state that you're in while you're having sex, if you're not able to relax, um, if you're not comfortable with the partner you're with, you haven't discussed boundaries or talked about things that you like, that can get in the way. And then again, like there is a very small portion who, of people who just cannot orgasm, but I would say that's the, the rarity. So, you know, if you're in that kind of situation, if you 
have gotten to 20, 30, 40 years old and you've never had an orgasm, first of all, my heart goes out to you. My heart is breaking for you, but there's still hope. We can teach our bodies how to orgasm. We just have to be able to um, explore that in our own bodies, feel what feels good and be able to tell a partner or just have sex with yourself and figure out how to make that happen. Um, there's no shame. We all have the same, you know, the same parts that work the same way. So we just have to figure out what works for us. Yeah. That was such a great answer. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Because <laughs> this is something else that I've seen and there's just this one Instagram um, account that I follow that I just, I, the things that she says just kind of, um, I guess, rub me the wrong way. I don't, just about the things that she says about sex, because it's like she puts, puts the work and all of the, um, all of that on the man, Mm. I guess, if you would say. So it's like, it's like, she's like complaining that she didn't get whatever, but it's like, and, and she's just, you know, blaming the guy that she didn't get that. And to me, that just doesn't feel right. That just doesn't feel, it's like, eh, I mean, I'm just not a proponent of victim consciousness at all. I'm just like, no, like you are in charge of whatever you want to be in charge of in your life. And an orgasm is no different. No. Right. Yeah. I love that. I, I get sort of frustrated with that as well. Like you can't expect your partner to fulfill all of your needs all of the time. Like, would it be great if your partner gave you an orgasm and it was magical and you rode off on a fucking unicorn afterwards. Like, yes, absolutely. (laughs) But if your partner finishes and like you didn't get the fuck over it, like either do it yourself or tell your partner what you want more, more often than not, I feel partners would be really excited if you were like, Hey, I need your help with this, or I want you to be involved in this so I can finish too. Yeah. Like there's just this huge cloud of mystery around sex. Nobody wants to ask for what they want, but they're all thinking it. We want to blame the other person when in reality it takes two to tango. And if your partner is not making you come, there's probably a reason, you know, did you tell them what you wanted? Have you had these conversations outside of the bedroom? Are you even aware of what you want? Like these are all huge things to address before you even get into bed with somebody. Because yes, we can have amazing sexual chemistry with somebody right off the bat and have like mind blowing sex, but there's also a lot of work that goes into sex, the communication and like I said, knowing what you want and communicating that effectively. So yes, victim consciousness does not work elsewhere and it does not work in the bedroom as well. Yeah, absolutely. So is there anything else that you really want to talk about in the sex realm I would say everybody typically has sex or wants to have sex. So as long as sex is consensual between two consenting parties who want to have fun, then go for it. There is so much shame around sex, especially in this country, when in reality, we are evolved humans and have, you know, the capacity to really enjoy sex if we allow ourselves. But we put all these barriers in our own way Um, whether it's, you know, repression from religion or other belief systems that are putting onto us or not loving and accepting our bodies. So not being willing to, you know, communicate that through sex, 
and there are just so many issues that come up, but like at the core of it, like humans are designed to have sex for reproduction and for fun. Like just fucking do it. Talk <laughs> about it. Make sure it's consensual. It can be an amazing way to, you know, form relationships, to solidify relationships, to um, have some form of nonverbal communication. Like there's a lot of things we can't express through words and sex and other physical forms of intimacy can be a really great way to communicate with a partner. Um, if you want reading on this topic, there's a book called The Ethical Slut, which is incredible. Um, just finished it again. And it's a really, really great read. The, the title is hilarious, so I wouldn't recommend sitting at a coffee shop reading it uh, unless you want to start conversations. But it's it just puts things into perspective. It's a really, really approachable read about everything related to sex. And it's a really good one. Okay. Thank you for that recommendation. Yeah. Um, and thank you for the, yeah, that advice too. Like, yes, absolutely. I'm, I'm loving all of this. So I have a question for you about orgasms and I know, I know people who have never had an orgasm in their, like in their thirties, forties, and um, also it's just like very hard for some people to have an orgasm. And so I'm just wondering, like, what are your thoughts on the reasoning behind that? Yeah, that is a huge, huge topic because there, there are unfortunately a lot of people out there who, um, you know, either feel like they can't orgasm or it happens very infrequently. And first off, I will start by saying there's probably nothing wrong with you there is a very, very, very small percentage of women who cannot orgasm for physical or medical reasons, men as well. I would say the large majority of people who experience trouble around that is uh, from something else, not an overt physical problem. So first of all, establishing you know, your relationship to your own body and to sex is going to be huge. Because like I hinted at earlier, when we're going through sex, there's kind of this fine line between pleasure and pain, and you have to be able to let go. The act of orgasming cannot happen if you are thinking or if you're too in your head about things, because we have to shift between our sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems. So our fight or flight mode versus rest and digest. We have to be able to shift in between those two to be able to achieve the act of orgasm. So I find a lot of people have issues with orgasming when they're um, very anxious or have, um, you know, a lot of concerns around mental health that haven't been addressed. Like that gets in the way often. Um, there's also a thing called orgasm inequality, which needs to be, <laughs> needs to be brought to the surface because of bullshit. Um, but it's this, this um, fact of the matter that in, in most heterosexual relationships or in a lot of heterosexual relationships, there is a gap in how often a male orgasms versus how often a female orgasms. Granted, the female orgasm is set up very differently than males. Females can have multiple orgasms in one sexual encounter, and that's pretty awesome. That should be something that is celebrated, but often um, we either don't do enough work to get there and we just kind of give up or we have this preconceived notion that you have to finish at the same time so that can lead to women not having an orgasm because their partner um, is done and they're like okay well i guess that's it but to be quite honest there's a very small fraction of people who actually finish at the same time 
Um, so learning to talk to your partner about your needs, exploring your own needs first, because if you can't figure them out, you can't expect a partner to. There's nothing wrong with trying to you know, figure out what your body responds to and what it likes, and then translating that to your partner, because you can't expect them to read your mind, especially while they're in the zone and having sex with you. Uh, and it should also be said that there is a very, very small percentage of women who can orgasm from just penetration. Like, those are just the facts. We have a clitoris for a reason. There's over 8,000 nerve endings in the clitoris with no function other than pleasure. So that thing needs to be used. <laughs> and if it's not, it's probably one of your, your hurdles in being able to orgasm. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with you if you can't orgasm from penetration. Like, that's just unfortunately, but fortunately, how women's anatomy is set up. So if you're not addressing both components of that during sex, then that can be a huge obstacle to being able to orgasm. Again, the mental uh, state that you're in while you're having sex, if you're not able to relax, um, if you're not comfortable with the partner you're with, you haven't discussed boundaries or talked about things that you like, that can get in the way. And then again, like there is a very small portion who, of people who just cannot orgasm, but I would say that's the, the rarity. So, you know, if you're in that kind of situation, if you have gotten to 20, 30, 40 years old and you've never had an orgasm, first of all, my heart goes out to you. My heart is breaking for you, but there's still hope. We can teach our bodies how to orgasm. We just have to be able to um, explore that in our own bodies, feel what feels good and be able to tell a partner or just have sex with yourself and figure out how to make that happen. Um, there's no shame. We all have the same, you know, the same parts that work the same way. So we just have to figure out what works for us. Yeah, that was such a great answer. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Because <laughs> this is something else that I've seen and there's just this one Instagram um, account that I follow that, I just, I, the things that she says just kind of, um, I guess, rub me the wrong way. I don't, just about the things that she says about sex, because it's like she puts, puts the work and all of the, um, all of that on the man, mm. I guess, if you would say. So it's like, it's like, she's like complaining that she didn't get whatever, but it's like, and, and she's just, you know, blaming the guy that she didn't get that. And to me, that just doesn't feel right. That just doesn't feel, it's like, eh, I mean, I'm just not a proponent of victim consciousness at all. I'm just like, no, like you are in charge of whatever you want to be in charge of in your life. And an orgasm is no different, you know? Right. Yeah, I love that. I, I get sort of frustrated with that as well. Like you can't expect your partner to fulfill all of your needs all of the time. Like, would it be great if your partner gave you an orgasm and it was magical and you rode off on a fucking unicorn afterwards. Like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> but if your partner finishes and like you didn't get the fuck over it, like either do it yourself or tell your partner what you want more, more often than not, I feel partners would be really excited if you were like, Hey, I need your help with this or I want you to be involved in this so I can finish too. Yeah. Like there's just this huge cloud of mystery around sex. Nobody wants to ask for what they want, but they're all thinking it. We want to blame the other person when in reality it takes two to tango. 
And if your partner is not making you come, there's probably a reason, you know, did you tell them what you wanted? Have you had these conversations outside of the bedroom? Are you even aware of what you want? Like these are all huge things to address before you even get into bed with somebody because yes, we can have amazing sexual chemistry with somebody right off the bat and have like mind blowing sex, but there's also a lot of work that goes into sex, the communication and like I said, knowing what you want and communicating that effectively. So yes, victim consciousness does not work elsewhere and it does not work in the bedroom as well. Yeah, absolutely. So is there anything else that you really want to talk about in the sex realm? I would say everybody typically has sex or wants to have sex. So as long as sex is consensual between two consenting parties who want to have fun, then go for it. There is so much shame around sex, especially in this country, when in reality, we are evolved humans and have, you know, the capacity to really enjoy sex if we allow ourselves. But we put all these barriers in our own way, um, whether it's, you know, repression from religion or other belief systems that are putting onto us or not loving and accepting our bodies. So not being willing to, you know, communicate that through sex. And there are just so many issues that come up, but like at the core of it, like humans are designed to have sex for reproduction and for fun. Like just fucking do it, talk <laughs> about it, make sure it's consensual. It can be an amazing way to, you know, form relationships, to solidify relationships, to um, have some form of nonverbal communication. Like there's a lot of things we can't express through words and sex and other physical forms of intimacy can be a really great way to communicate with a partner. Um, if you want reading on this topic, there's a book called The Ethical Slut, which is incredible. Um, just finished it again. And it's a really, really great read. The, the title is hilarious. So I wouldn't recommend sitting at a coffee shop reading it uh, unless you want to start conversations. But it's, it just puts things into perspective. It's a really, really approachable read about everything related to sex. And it's a really good one. Okay. Thank you for that recommendation. Yeah. Um, and thank you for yeah that advice too. Like, yes, absolutely. I'm, I'm loving all of this. Okay. So before I ask you this last question, where can people find you? If they're totally loving you, loving everything that you're putting out right now, um, because you do, I'll just, where can they find you and how can they work with you? Yeah. So I would say Instagram is probably the best place to find me at doc gen B underscore ND. I have a really fun time connecting with people on Instagram. So if you're listening and you had a question or um, you have a complaint, you're like, no, what you said was wrong. Go for it. You know, I'd love to hear from you. And from there, if you're interested in either working together or, you know, just getting more information, that would be the best place to reach out because I can do so on there. Um, otherwise, I would say going to our website, the website of the practice I work at, miholisticmed.com. You can find more info on me. Um, I will say my bio on there is pretty PG, but in the room with a patient, like we can take it PG-13 or even R-rated if necessary. So uh, don't be afraid of that. And, you know, obviously I feel out what a patient's concerns are. So if we don't, you know, we may never talk about sex, depending on the concern. We may just talk about weight or periods or loving your body. So don't let that deter you. But obviously I'm an open book about it. 
Yeah. Thank you. And I'll definitely link all of this stuff in the show notes. Um, so my last question for you is if there was just one big takeaway for all women listening right now, what would it be? That is a really tough question. <laughs> I would say something I find myself telling almost every patient is your body has the capacity to heal. You have every ability to heal your body, to have better energy, to love the way you look in the mirror, to have better sex, whatever that goal is for you. You have it within you to achieve that. You just have to be able to give your body the right, you know, the foundations, the right raw material to get you there. And if you need a provider that, you know, can listen to you and help guide you, then that's absolutely another piece. But you have everything within you on your own to be able to heal. And I think we kind of lose sight of that when we're not feeling well or we're not feeling heard or whatever it may be, but that capacity is always there. It might take a little bit longer and it might require, like I said, additional support, but it is always within you. And it's my job to help people sort out what the obstacles are that are getting in the way of them really healing. Yes. Thank you so, so much. Um, I greatly appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. I'm, I'm still just like, oh my gosh, I'm, I can't wait to go back and re-listen. Like there were so many great <laughs> nuggets in this. I just greatly appreciate your time and I'm looking forward. Dr. Jenny's going to be back in March and we're going to be talking about, um, like just relationship with food. And so I'm really, really excited to talk with her about this because she's, someone that um she's just she's just great she's great all around <laughs> so dr oh. jenny will be back um yes, i will be back yes <laughs> dun, dun, dun. yes but thank you so much for your time today i greatly appreciate it yeah thank you so much for having me